Welcome into the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast for Thursday, February 11th. Chuck Zod and Mark Schofield here, and we are joined by Brian Perez from DraftBreakdown.com. Figure that with the NFL Draft, now less than uh, about nine weeks away, I believe, uh, it's pretty much time to get into full-fledged draft mode here, and so we figured no better person to talk to than the man behind DraftBreakdown.com. Before welcoming in Brian, always have to say hi to my co-host Mark, and uh, I trust it's been a pretty good day for you watching a little film. Watching some film, man. Got to get through those QBs, but I'm excited to talk to Brian. Yeah, and and I know in particular, uh, there's a new piece of software that Brian and the folks over at Draft Breakdown have put out, and this has been pretty useful for you, yeah? It's basically a coach's clicker. You can set up your phone as a coach's clicker. You can rewind, fast forward, go frame by frame, forward and backward. It's it's a time saver. It's it's I think it's a game changer for, I mean, Draft Breakdown already is a game changer for people like us that try to evaluate college prospects before the draft, but this is just another step. It's a tremendous, tremendous asset that they've added to. They're already great product. Yeah, and, and, and Brian, where did the idea for this come from, and what was really the genesis of this? Well, I had been you know, searching for something that could you know, just take Draft Breakdown to that next level to really simulate the scouting process, the the draft room process for guys that are aspiring to either break in as scouts on the NFL level, CFL level, or for guys just to enhance their own, you know, blogger, draft site, you know, their ability to really analyze prospects. And I felt like, you know, all this time, first as a fan of draft breakdown and then obviously being part of the management team, I just felt like one of the things that was missing was that feeling of having the clicker in your hand, being able to skip parts of tape that you don't really think are necessary or go back and watch frame by frame, you know, player's technique. And, and that that aspect was just missing from the draft breakdown experience. And I just happened to stumble across the developers over at No Huddle Remote and reached out to them, didn't know if it was a possibility for them to be able to, you know, work the their product onto draft breakdown. After some uh, back and forth discussion, they, they told me it was possible. We laid the groundwork for it, and I'm just really happy about the way uh, it's turned out and the way the draft community in general has accepted it and, and has obviously started using it now. And, and how exactly, how easy is it for someone to set this up and get this running? What's the process exactly? It's real simple. I mean, there are a few limitations at this point, which probably will be expanded on by, will be you know further advanced by the developers. But right now it works uh, in the Chrome browser. And you add the no huddle remote extension to your Chrome browser, and then with your smartphone, whether it's an Android or iPhone, you go into the Google. You know, I, I have an iPhone, so the App Store or whatever the equivalent is for Google, and download the no huddle remote. It's all free, and literally within seconds, your iPhone become or your your smartphone becomes the clicker. The screen of your fit the the screen of your phone become you know shows just like a remote with the fast forward, rewind, play, pause buttons. And you just sit back and, and basically click away. It's really very, very simple, uh, but it does require the use of the Chrome browser to, to be able to add the extension and then sync your phone up with your computer. I think the easiest way we could have answered that question for you, Chuck, was I figured it out within minutes. So if I could do that, <laughs> I think anybody could do that. But, I mean, I just got to say from you know using it today, um, using it since it came out, it's a time saver on top of everything else, on top of that, you know, the aspect of having that clicker in your hand and, you know, getting that experience just like a coach would, just like a, a you know, NFL GM would. 
it saves you time because you're not clicking around with a mouse. I mean, it's just buttons, boom, 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 and it's a time saver for me. So it's a great, great product. I'm, I couldn't endorse it more. But I guess it's time to talk a little bit about the draft now. Um, Brian, you were down in Mobile. We got to see you down there. Um, you were down there for most of the week of practices. What were your takeaways from Mobile? Who are some guys that really stood out to you? You know, you know, the first takeaway from Mobile was obviously the event itself and just how great Phil Savage and his team, uh, what a great job they've done to turn what, you know, a decade ago was, you know, the best all-star game uh, for senior prospects. They've really turned it into one of the best events in general, the draft process, and that was really on display again this year with, you know, bringing pro football focus into the mix, you know, being able to meet guys like yourselves, and it seems like, every, you know, it's the who's who of the NFL draft community that all, you know, uh, you know, invades Mobile, Alabama for those four or five days. And, and just being able to meet everybody and, and put faces to the Twitter handles is, is really a great experience. But in terms of on the field, I think, you know, you got to start with the quarterback position, and, and Carson Wentz really, I believe, cemented his stock as a first-round value quarterback. And when you talk about a first-round value quarterback, you know, it's somewhat of a generic term because obviously you have, you know, the number one pick overall all the way down to this year, the 31st pick. Uh, and, and I believe he is a first-round value player. And when you add quarterback to that, that generally means probably a top-ten pick when it's all said and done. And I think the fact that he was showcasing his skill set with the Dallas Cowboys coaching staff who have the fourth pick overall – I think he really put himself uh, in a good position to at least challenge for that spot. And I think it would be a shock to me if he falls out of the top 10. And then, you know, when you go away from the quarterback position, you focus on the guys that are going to get after the quarterback. And I think the defensive line the talent in general, the talent group that was down there really showed a lot of first round potential. Noah Spence was a guy who really flashed Jihad Ward. While I don't value him as a first rounder, he really put his name on the map in terms of a, of a day two value player. Uh, Sheldon Rankins was a guy who just uh, it was virtually unblockable before his knee sent him packing for the week. So I think you, you start with Carson Wentz, and then you move to the guys that are going to be uh, getting after Carson Wentz, and then you, you, you end with the offensive tackles. You know, Jason Spriggs, I think, solidified himself as a top 15 pick in the draft. I'd be shocked if he fell out of the top 15. I managed to be within an earshot of a, of a group of scouts for one particular NFC team who were basically describing him as a top 10 guy. Um, so I think Spriggs really separated himself from the offensive tackles down there. And one of the guys I was pleasantly surprised by in the tackle group was Harvard's Cole Toner, who, you know, he had an up-and-down week, but I really was nervous that he was going to get absolutely demolished uh, during the week of practices because of the jump from the Ivy League to that the big boy football. And he really, he really held, himself, um, held himself out pretty well. And, and while he lost as many as he won, he definitely showed he's strong enough and athletic enough to compete. Brian, did anyone stand out to you in terms of skill position talent? It, it seemed to me, and, and look, we know that the Senior Bowl doesn't always get top-end skill position talent, but it seemed to me that there wasn't really anyone uh, with elite uh, you know, skills that really stood out there to me. What were your thoughts? I think Braxton Miller from, you know, everybody has been talking about Braxton Miller, Ohio State wide receiver, quarterback convert. He's a player who, while he, he's not necessarily an elite prospect at this point in his development, I think he showed that he's much further along as a receiver than many probably expected. He was the best receiver in Mobile, and that's saying a lot considering he's probably the least seasoned. But, you know, that, that criticism, well, not necessarily criticism, but that concern about his, you know, evolution as a wide receiver, I think is a little bit overblown because 
I personally love when a quarterback, an athletic quarterback, you know, converts to wide receiver because they play the position with the mentality of a quarterback. And I think, you know, understanding where the quarterback wants you to be, how to run your route, you know, just just playing that position from a state of mind of a quarterback puts you actually ahead of the of you know receivers that might have three four years of college football experience. Um, so I think that really showed this week. He's got to work a little bit more on refining his route running, but as an athlete, I mean, his natural explosion and quick twitch was on display. He's a good catcher of the football, and he's he's a cerebral player already at wide receiver because of his quarterbacking experience. So I think he really put himself in a good position to just keep, um, you know, ascending up the draft board. And at running back, Kenneth Dixon was the guy going into the week at running back in terms of the highest-rated player at the position. I don't think he did anything to change anyone's mind. Kenyon Drake played pretty well. I think, you know, he's got now an opportunity to come out of uh, Henry's shadow. He looked looked explosive. He looked fluid during practices, and I think he's going to be one of the combine standouts and really put his name in the ring to be, you know, maybe a high day three pick. Uh, but outside of that, you know, I was a little disappointed with Aaron Green's practice performances. I expected to see more from him. And then, you know, on game day, he rips off a, a beautiful 20, 25-yard touchdown run, which matched his game film. So that, that kind of salvaged what otherwise was a somewhat disappointing from him. Brian, one of the guys I wanted to ask you about down, who was down in Mobile was Tyler Irvin, the San Jose State running back. You actually featured him in a, a piece you have on Draft Breakdown right now, looking at six of the best prospects under five foot ten inches. Uh, what did you see from Irvin, to, to both down in Mobile, and when you got a chance to look at his at his tape? Well, he, he's you know one word describes him best in my opinion, and that's juice. I mean, he's got juice. He's he's a player who is going to run away from even the fastest defenders in the NFL. The problem with him is obviously the limitations he has with his size. And it's not that he's a, a small guy. He's just a short guy, 5'7". You know, he, he weighed in surprisingly, I believe a 5'9", whatever his height checked in at, he weighed in surprisingly 192 pounds, which you know was about 15 pounds heavier than his um, listed measurables heading into the week. So that was a pleasant surprise. But when he, when he was on the field with the pads on, He's not a he's not a difficult guy to bring to the ground, and I think that's a problem with some of these small running backs that try to make it in the NFL. Is that if you really can't break that first line of defense, if you can't break through those arm tackles, you know, coaching staffs are going to try to find more of a niche gadget role for you, which I don't think is a problem for Irvin. I think he's that kind of talent who, as a third down back, pass catcher out of the backfield, you know, special teams ace returning the football, he's going to have a long career in the NFL. But you know, in today's mentality of fantasy football and stats he may not overwhelm with, you know, the 100-yard the rushing games or the 100-yard receiving games, but he's going to be that kind of talent who contributes, you know, keeps the chains moving, makes the explosive play, flips the field from time to time. He'll have a nice career in the NFL because, look, you can't coach or teach speed, and if a team has a chance to add that next-level elite tier of speed to your roster, they're going to draft him, they're going to find a way to get the ball in his hands, and he should do pretty well on Sundays next fall. Brian, we talked about the D-lines, which I think, you know, from talking to people down in Mobile, everybody walked away thinking that was the best position group, probably on both squads. But looking at the defense, were there any players on the next levels, either the linebacker units or the defensive backfields, that stood out to you? I think Deion Jones from LSU was probably the biggest surprise in terms of impressing ta- impressive talent on the field. You know, when you look at a guy like Reggie Ragland, who is who is pretty much the 
um, the draft darling right now in terms of for the inside linebackers. And he's going to be that thumper against the run. He's going to be a real physical enforcer for your defense. But athletically, there was just no comparison between him and Jones. The way Jones can move and field, how much ground he can cover in the blink of an eye. And I think in, in today's wide-open uh, NFL with the pass-happy offenses and the speed of the skill players, that Jones is going to be a real asset for somebody. And, and I, I think he's going to be a – he could get picked higher than many people are projecting right now. Brian, when when you look at the overall talent that is available in this draft and, and compare it to uh, past years, where, where does this rank in terms of, I guess, both the top-end talent that we see here as well as the depth of talent? Is it as strong in both of those areas than previous years, or is this you know more of a weaker year overall? I think it's a good team-building draft. I think it's the kind of draft where you're going to get a lot of depth for your roster. If you're looking to hit a home run with a, a superstar quality talent, it's probably not the draft for you, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, the reality is when drafts, when draft classes have quarterbacks that can challenge for the number one pick overall, like last year's did with two, with Winston and Mariota, those classes naturally get, you know, inflated and they get overrated because of the hype and excitement of the quarterbacks that can go one and two overall. But it's really about, you know, the rest of the picks. You got, you got, you know, six rounds and 30 more picks plus, you know, the compensatory picks after quarterbacks come off in the early portion of round one. And I think that's where this year's draft is going to be um, enticing and appealing for general managers and front offices. You're going to be able to build on the offensive line, build on the defensive line, which is where you win football games. Uh, I think there, there is, there is, the, the interesting thing about this year's draft is you're going to probably see, you know, very different top 10 projections in the mock drafts that are about to be published over the next two plus months, because there's probably 25 players that could jockey for top 10 position right now, which some would say, well, then that means it's lacking elite talent, maybe, but it's also suggesting that, you know, if you're picking at number 17, 18 and 19, you're still going to get a heck of a football player in the first round. And as you get into the second day, that second and third round, there's not that big of a drop off between the top, you know, 25 guys, you know, pick number 25 and pick number 65 aren't going to be all that different from, you know, the ability to contribute early in their career. So I think it's a good team building draft that could sometimes be interpreted as a boring draft and maybe not an exciting draft for the average fan. But for guys like us who love the draft, it's going to be, it's going to be one where you're going to be looking at guys, your favorite team drafted in the fourth or fifth round and be excited about it because, you know, you maybe expected them to go in the top 90 picks. And, and you know, the big boards are going to be all over the place this year. So that, that's what makes the draft fun from an analyst perspective is the unpredictability and, and how teams' boards are going to match up with the media boards considering the talent is pretty clustered. Brian, obviously the next big sort of calendar date on the draft calendar is the scouting combine coming up at the end of the month. We're here early February. What's sort of one storyline that you're most looking forward to seeing unfold as the NFL world descends on Indianapolis? You know, I, I love the combine because of how it can really overrate and overstate um, the specific drills and performances that the players go through. You're going to see a guy like Sean Oakman probably dominate um, in almost every single drill and just look like Hercules out there. But 
you know, anybody that was in Mobile watching him, aside from the game, obviously, where I was shocked that he was getting so much penetration and getting after the quarterback. But if you watch his game tape and you watch him in practice, you know, he's not a guy that I would invest a very high pick on because I just don't think he's going to be a consistent, uh, disruptive player on the next level. But in, Mo- in Indianapolis, he's the kind of guy who's going to do really well and probably ends up putting his draft value into that second round. And, you know, three, four years from now, we may be asking, hey, whatever happened to Sean Oakland? Uh, you know, Kenyon Drake, as I mentioned before, he's a guy on the flip side of that that has a chance to really separate himself and give himself, you know, some some identity, not just, you know, the change of pace running back at Alabama, the guy who, who broke his leg and never really got back on track. He's going to have a chance to show everyone, listen, I am a top-tier athlete. I, I, I check all the boxes from a height-weight standpoint, check all the boxes from a speed, agility, lateral quickness standpoint, and teams are going to start saying, hey, you know what? If Alabama didn't have Derrick Henry on the roster, where would Kenyon Drake be tiered right now? Would he have been a guy that had 1,600 yards rushing in the SEC and be that guy challenging Zeke Elliott as possibly the top running back? I personally don't think so. I don't think his natural running talent is there. But, you know, the the showcase that is the combine in Indianapolis gives guys like him, those natural athletes, the ability to really build on that resume that might be lacking because of situation. Now, it's not his fault that he was behind one of the most dominant college running backs we've seen in the last few years, it's very hard to take carries away from Derrick Henry. But, you know, these, the all-star game, the senior role practices, going to the scouting combine, that's how a player like that builds momentum. And there'll be a lot of other guys who just rise up, rise to the occasion. You know, we're going to see these receivers that none of us have scouted all that much that run, you know, the 4-3-1 that some, everybody's going to start overrating, overprojecting. You know, we're going to see these safeties and these defensive, you know, defensive ends moving like linebackers Everybody's going to start, you know, over-projecting them. And I'm of the old-school mentality, still rely on the tape. The combine performances should just validate what you've seen or make you go back to re-watch what you saw to make sure you didn't miss something. Just because a receiver, if you rate a receiver as a day-three guy and he runs a 4-3-9, it doesn't mean he's a better receiver than the guy you watched. It doesn't make him a better receiver than the player you watched on tape. So you have to be still be confident in your tape study, um, and hope that what you saw on tape is matched at the scouting combine. Outstanding. Well, Brian, I, we, we're just about out of time here. I do have one quick bone to pick with you, though. Okay? Now, now, you told me that the Ivy League was not big boy football, and you've met me down in Mobile now. If my body doesn't <laughs> scream big boy football to you, I don't know what does. Hey, hey, listen, I, you are an impressive physical specimen, <laughs> so, so I will retract my comment, and I will say uh, above average boy football. When, we'll say something like that. I'll tell you what, when we do the uh, the writer combine next year down in Mobile, we'll, <laughs> we'll get all of us out there. We'll have a lot of fun with it. I think it'll be a good time. How about that? It sounds good to me. I'll be the guy man in the stopwatch for that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that sounds great. Brian, I appreciate you joining us, all right? Hey, gentlemen, my pleasure. Anytime. Absolutely. That's Brian Perez from DraftBreakdown.com. We are out of time for today. We will be back tomorrow. Big thank you to Brian for joining us. Once again, they do have that phenomenal no-huddle clicker that is now available on Draft Breakdown. If it saves Mark Schofield an hour of time cutting down tape, just think about how much it'll save you. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll see you later on the ITP Quick Kicks podcast.